Okay, we're on uh, week five in pursuit of his presence. And so if, s- if some of you are kind of new or just visiting, uh, we really were really challenged at our minister's fellowship conference in October about really focusing on the presence of God for 30 days, or for three months rather. Just like when um, Obed-Edom, his whole house, when they had the ark dropped off at their house because of that incident where they were transporting the ark, where David wanted to bring the ark back to Jerusalem, but they were mishandling it, and Uzzah died for touching the ark. And so in the household of Obed-Edom, the presence of God was left for the three-month period. But David got it right, and he so wanted the presence of God back in Jerusalem. He was such a worshiper of God that he went and brought that ark out of Obadiah's house and brought it back into the, the city of Jerusalem with great rejoicing. And it says from then on, Obadiah's household was totally involved in temple worship. And you might think how it would be to not experience the presence of God and to just be living your life, and then all of a sudden... God begins to move, and everything in your household is blessed. Well, we're blessed because we know Jesus, we experience the presence of God, and we can get kind of just nonchalant about it. We just kind of get into the the flow and become religious, or uh, just like the exhortation this morning about being disconnected from God, not taking seriously when we're in the presence or in our time with God, or even today when we're worshiping, when we come and gather together and worship. And we have to think back to that time where It was the Old Testament. It was just tough times. They didn't have the living presence of God with them constantly like we did and we do now through Jesus Christ, where we are saved, born again, and the tabernacle of God is in our heart. It's not just someplace away off. It's not like in the Old Testament where where they would pray and look towards the east wherever the temple was and pray a prayer and God would answer. And so that was an incredible thing that happened for those three months for that household to be so changed and transformed by the presence of God that they had to have it. And I think of how we are. I know in my own life that my soul, it's, it's forced to, uh, to live life and do, make choices and things. And in God, it's almost like we have to make our spirit rise above our soul and step out to, to break the, the spiritual uh, passivity and uh, just the, the, the feelings that tell us God's not around or things are not happening. There's an incredible attack on the local church, the body of Christ. The, the writer of Hebrews warned about it. All through the Bible, it warns about in the last days about not assembling together, not building the kingdom, but God is building a work in the house of God. There are leaders to be raised up for this generation that will be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And there is such an assault in coming together. There are our own life experiences, our our relational problems, divorce, everything that we've gone through seeks to say, no, I don't want to ever trust anybody again. I don't want to submit under anybody. But God is causing us to come together and to come under that spiritual authority, under that blanket of protection, that we might experience the presence of God. And it's just powerful to me what's going on. I've shared over the last couple of weeks about the progression where Isaac uh, is passed from Abraham, the blessing of God, where generations are going to come after them. And it seems like each one of those guys uh, had to deal with barrenness and, and the inability to, to produce a child. And yet, 
over them stood that incredible, powerful word of God that he was with them and he was going to bless them. Also, last week we were talking about in pursuit of his presence that the promises of God's presence is in all of the Old Testament scriptures and carries on into the New Testament. It's a constant echo to us who live in a world that's uh, really not seen spiritually that God is with us and he promises he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so we see like uh, in Genesis where Jacob is told by uh, Isaac in, um, in Genesis 28, 5, to go, get off on your own, get away from me into a land that God is going to bless you in. And I was talking a couple weeks ago how God pushed him out, his father pushed him out so that he could experience God. And we read that, you know, he has that vision of dreams coming to him and he, he, he sees that ladder between him and heaven and he starts experiencing the presence of God for himself. But he starts moving into the prophetic destiny that God had for him and that individual relationship that was powerful to him because God was real to him and he was taking responsible for his life and he was going to be an influence through the kingdom of God for other people. And we see him in that struggle for Rachel to have children where you know, he starts having children through all, her, all, her, uh, all the maids and people around them. But God's chosen uh, desire was for him to have children. And that blessing was what God wanted him to have. And so it's interesting to read how Jacob begins to have this relationship with God. And he hears God and he's, he's, he's going through all kinds of conflicts. And um, his, his kids are causing problems as they're moving in the, into the land and they're occupying territory and there's constant things that are coming his way, but the presence of God does not stop or, or hinder. And even in difficulties, the presence of God is with him. Then his son Joseph is sold. His favorite son is sold as a slave and he's in bondage in, in Egypt and God causes him to rise out of this place of even being in prison and falsely accused. And yet God declares to him that I am with you. I am, I'm constantly with you. And Jacob is there grieving for Joseph. And now, you know, there's a, there's a desire for more food because there's famine. And so they have to send back to Egypt. And Joseph is waiting. And he requested that Benjamin, the youngest son, come again and, and be an example or be a witness that the, the, the brothers were not lying, that they had another son at home. And Jacob's heart is breaking because he does not want to lose his son, Benjamin. And so he lets him go. And so we see the heart of a father who doesn't know that his son Joseph is alive, and yet he, he's believing in a God, and yet his heart is breaking because life is not being figured out. And he can't understand what God's doing. But there's an incredible verse in Genesis 46. And it's the first couple of verses. And it's, it's about finally when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And he sends, and Pharaoh sends chariots and uh, carts and stuff to bring all of Joseph's family and to bring Jacob out to be with them in Goshen and to be in the area of Egypt that Jacob finds out that his son is alive. And it's interesting in this, in this thing again where he's starting to journey back to go, to go to be with his son. And again, he has another visitation. This is Genesis 46, starting with verse 1. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Again, he's offering sacrifices. He's offering something that maybe he doesn't feel like or 
uh, he has deep in his heart wounds of the years of the loss of, of his son, and, and, and he has that ache, and yet there's something inside of him, a deep faith that has been established, even through all the opposition, that God is a good God. And then God spoke to Israel. He sp- and you know, remember, remember that Jacob got his name changed to Israel? Contender with God. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night, and he said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. And I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will be also surely to bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. And so Jacob rises up and he goes back to, to, to that land where, you know, it's, it's, it's a foreign land. It's a different place. But God promises again to be with him. It is our desire as we're seeking God and really focusing on the presence of God for the next couple of months that we keep encountering the presence of God, that we keep seeking God for ourselves, that we keep seeing different dimensions and uh, we have different encounters with the presence of the living God so that our religious experience is not religious, but it's experiential. Our key verse today, I've already said it, and I want to open the service is Psalms 104. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. How often we don't feel like praising God. How often we, our, our circumstances echo in our ears everything that would keep us from wanting to praise. Everything that would keep us from wanting to identify with God and, and, and to believe and hope in the promises that he's given to us. But yet this, this verse echoes to us again about giving thanks keeping that attitude and heart of praise going and blessing God. There has to be something that we can focus on today worthy of our thanksgiving. We're breathing. We're still alive. That, that could be one thing. There's a guy who works uh, in the back at the RV place, and he comes in not every day, but sometimes. And he's, he's an old-timer. And he always tells me every day when, when he shakes my hand and he says hi to me, he goes, well, we're still alive. That's something to be thankful for. You know, in the back in the old days, remember, the presence of God was inside the ark, inside behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies. And so they had to go through the gates first. So how this is written is kind of addressing the Old Testament believers. Enter into his gates. You know, you've seen probably pictures of the, the temple area where there was partitions off and there was a courtyard and it was saying, you know, on the way in, be, your courtyard would, could be like coming into the park li- parking lot off of uh, San Felipe Road, where you're entering to, into the courts of the house of God, where you're going to have a worship experience. And so you come in thanking God. You, co- you come in thanking Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do today. Lord, I thank you that there's an expectancy I have that I'm going to meet with you because you're a God who promises that you would never leave me or forsake me. But I'm coming in today, Lord, because I've been affected by atmospheres. I have real problems and situations. I have promises I'm waiting for you to fulfill. But Lord, I'm coming in to bless your holy name. I'm coming in to give thanks to you, Lord. Say, praise your name, Jesus. Thank you that everything is bad in my life. I can't see the promises, but I have salvation in you, Jesus. I have eternal life and a promise in you, Jesus. I promise from you that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Lord, I promise, I have promised from you that even in the midst of what I'm facing and as I'm waiting for the answers of prayer, that you're doing something. Lord, when I'm in tests and trials, you're testing my faith. You're deepening my walk with you, but I'm going to hang on. Lord, I don't like my family. I don't like the church I'm in. I don't like people. But Lord, you're working me to love 
people and to love God and to fit into what, what you have me to do and what you're calling me to do. And I need the body and the body needs me. All of us really, you know, having Christ, it's good enough. We can say, forget it. I tell you, I, I've been in church my whole life and I, w- I came to a place where I'm thinking like, do I really need church? Yeah, I needed church. You know, God kept me in church. And when it was time to start, I started thinking, do really, do we need another church? Yeah, we needed another church. And so, okay, God, this is what you want. Boom, doing church, waiting for people to grow, waiting to see the body of Christ arise. And every generation was waiting for people to grow. Aren't you thankful that God waits for us to grow up? Man, God took over 40 years to develop me. When I was 42 years old, I was ordained as, a, as, a, as an elder and given that responsibility. And I'm thinking like, I'm 42 years old, but I am so messed up. God is patient with us. God's grace is powerful. The pursuit of God, his presence changes us. I know we're stubborn at times and we're stiff-necked, just like those people in the Old Testament. But God promises he uses our stiff-neckedness. He uses that, those things in us to change us and to break us because he wants to use us. He wants us to be part of his body. He wants us to be active and filled with his Holy Spirit. He wants us to use every gift. He wants us to stir ourselves up. He wants us to get with God and say, God, what is it I'm supposed to do? Who am I in you? How would you use me, Holy Spirit? What areas do I need to free myself and yield more to what you want to do? Oh, God, we need you. So the people were restricted from the Holy of Holies. But I love Hebrews 6.19. You know, God can't lie, and he keeps his promise. And Hebrews says this is the hope. It's a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain, the veil, into God's inner sanctuary, into the very certainty of the presence of God. That's what we have. We have access through Jesus Christ. Now, we don't have to go through a lot of hoops. We can enter right in. And when our our mind starts accusing us, condemning us, we can rise above that. We can rise above our soul. Our mind, will, and emotions is going to be under the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. But we have to do that breakout party almost like constantly sometimes because we're oppressed by the things around us. We're oppressed by measuring ourselves. Or or even sometimes we measure the church and we say, oh, it's not what it should be. No, it's not. But you do your part. You put your, you put your roots down and you declare you're going to be who you're supposed to be. And you grow up strong and you enter into this body and you become what you're supposed to be so that you can be part of the glorious thing that God's doing in building the body of Christ in the earth. Matthew Henry comments on this scripture. And he says, a strong invitation to worship God, not that God needs us or anything we have or can do, but it is his will that we should serve the Lord with the with and devote ourselves to his service and employ ourselves in it and that we should not only serve him in all instances of all obedience to his law but that we should come before his presence in the ordinances which he has appointed and in which he has promised to manifest himself in the gathering of the local church don't forsake the assembly why because he want to manifest his presence because he knows you need to be filled up to go back out and to have your gifts have some kind of a strength to be able to move through you to exercise those gifts. That temple gathering, a place of worship, a place to experience God. You need to contend. You need to stir yourself. It's not just going to happen automatically. Yeah, there is times where the sovereign grace of God settles on us, and oh, wow, we're, we're shifted into the heavenlies. But a lot of the times, we've got to stir ourselves. We've got to say, come on, soul, let's worship God. Let's be thankful. There's always one thing in front of our face. There's always one problem that we're waiting to solve 
that almost like gets in front and it pushes out every other thing that God's doing in our life, every other thing we can be grateful for. And some of us have more of a tweaky personality where we're just irritated if things are not right, things are not perfect. You know, it's harder for us sometimes. But God still causes us to shake ourselves and to stir ourselves that we might connect with the very presence of God. You know, I was thinking about, you know, how we gathered, you know, and we gather here. It's been, we're working on our 19th year now and worship and practicing the presence and prayer, asking that God would send his presence and asking that God to move on people and asking God to break the hardness of heart and asking God to break through for people and bring healings to people and change the way they're thinking, to change the effects of their past. And it's been going on for a long time. Prayer has been the backbone of this church being started and this church continuing. But we've seen, even in the last few weeks, the evidence of the presence of God changing things and becoming a, a greater experience in our life. I think of the 12 weeks we went through uh, the preparation and cleansing streams. Six weeks we went through going through the bait of Satan and not taking the lies of the enemy that would cause us to separate and be independent from the body of Christ, independent from spiritual authority. Then we went through the, the intense weeks in our book of cleansing streams to, to uh, let God work on us. And those of you who went through cleansing streams, was it easy or was it work? that workbook alone it's like come on am i going through a college class right now i mean average of 30 pages a week 33 pages sometimes 36 pages a week plus all the other things you have to do and in those places your soul can start rebelling and not wanting to do it again i i've told some of you have heard this before even starting this process i'm thinking like man i've been in church my whole life how much deeper do i need to go i have to pay some more money out of my pocket why not? I pay to go to the doctor. I'm paying a little extra for my spirit to, to get free. And as soon as we started, my attitude changed. And I thought like, okay, this is good. I love Jerry Mermis, what he shared this week about, you know, he had opportunity to, to go to cleansing stream for that, for that final, that Saturday, our, our big blowout day. And he said, what, what he took away, I knew God wanted me to be there. Man, that is enough. Those of us who've been pastors or been in church to know that God wants us with his people going through something where it's another opportunity to experience his presence. It's almost like we have this attitude if we've experienced something we don't need anymore. But God is constantly doing new things. He's constantly causing us to, to be in places where there's familiar because he's always doing something that we don't understand. He's always doing things deep inside of our spirit that we can't recognize. And yet if we don't become a participant, if we're not putting in that watering our, ourselves, watering our spirit, we are not going to be ready for when presence comes and that greater manifestation, for when that deeper work of God happens in our life. I love the stories. How many love the stories of people, of things they shared on Wednesday about what happened to them in cleansing streams? Oh, my. Some of these people who shared, we have worked with them for years, and sometimes we wonder how do they keep hanging in there because things that they've been wanting to change and areas they're sincerely asking God to break, break over them have not been changing. And as a pastor, I tell you, it can be a little frustrating to me. Come on, God. These people are here. They want to get healed. They want transformation. They want to, to move out of the things that have affected them for the past. Why is it taking so long? I cannot give you the answer. But time is no issue with God. We're the only ones that time is affected 
because uh, we're, we're, we stand inside of time, but God's outside of time, and, and time is, doesn't have any meaning to him. He's working for a purpose. And I don't understand why it happens, but why all of a sudden, boom, people had major breakthroughs from things that they had been asking for and waiting for for years. I am so glad that they hung in here. I'm so glad they waited. And this is why, this is why the body of Christ is here. That's, this is why there's local churches. Because Ernest always told us, God has now us in churches. Since the apostles, they started the churches in every city. Because pe when people get saved, they need discipleship. They need someone to wait as they grow through the process of the transformation of their life the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The work of, of being conformed into the image of Christ is an ongoing life, lifetime work. How many have been going through it for a number of years? You've been being transformed and you, you're in the local church? Yeah. Hey, I, I went through some time in my life. I thought, yeah, maybe I can get out of the local church. In my 20s, for six months, I got out of the local church. And then I was under such conviction. I got back under. Ernest was my covering. I stayed there. And, and God kept working. Little did I know he was going to do what he was going to do in my life. He was going to push me out. But when we let God do what he wants to do, when we stay under that spiritual covering and spiritual authority, you are going to accomplish what God has for your life. You are going to be the person God wants you to be. God works through authority. We're living in an anti-God, anti-authority society. And you can see it on the news. You see all the disrespect with the, from the police all the way up to the president, there is such a disrespect for authority. Nobody wants anybody to tell them what to do. That is a rebellious attitude, and it triggers in our old nature. And Satan would so love to keep us, it's just you and God. If, if you have an attitude, it's just you and God, I would check myself because you're in a vulnerable place. You're vulnerable to falling. Let me read you this exhortation that I, I just wrote down right before service. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5, Paul wrote saying, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. The cloud that Israel experienced was the cloud of the authority and power of the Holy Spirit of God that was over them. It was the cloud that during the day in the desert, it gave them shade. It was the cloud of his presence. It was the cloud of authority. It was the cloud of peace and power. It was also a place where there was rest and peace like they had never known because they had been in bondage and their generations before them had been in bondage. But there was an incredible peace that remained upon them. But it was all of Israel. Notice it, says, it keeps saying all. They all. And Paul is reminding us because we're connected with them. But we have it even greater because of Jesus Christ. All passed through the Red Sea. That was the deliverance from the bondage of Egypt. When we come to Christ, we pass through by the blood of Jesus. We pass through our sin nature. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And we go through that. All of us go through that, that we might have a relationship with a living God, that our spirit become alive and connected so we can hear when God is talking to us, so we can align ourselves to give ourselves to time of prayer, times of worship, times of listening, times of uh, honoring and giving God praise and glory because we're nurturing ourselves spiritually. We're nurturing our natural man so we can come into that perfect place that God has for us. He goes on, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. 
all of them were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. Okay, they were baptized into the Ten Commandments that God gave them. Okay, this Israel, my people, this is how I want you to live. This is the tabernacle I want you to come and assemble in and worship. I want you to pray. I want you to get comfortable of being around my presence. My presence is so holy and really the sin hasn't been hasn't been paid for because Jesus hasn't come, but I want you close to me. I want you to come in close. And so they were all under this new religion that was given. But it was a it was an only true religion. It was a God religion. It was God relating first to man on earth, coming through as the I am to Israel. They were all in that place. All of us who come to Christ, we go through baptism in water. We submit to baptism in water. And it's the most powerful church sacrament there is because something happens when we go into the water of baptism. It's the greatest thing. Colossians 1, I love Colossians 1. It talks about the spiritual surgery. It talks about the dynamic of the Holy Spirit that happens when we go through water baptism, that our soul and our spirit become separated. And there's a greater ability to be obedient with our will to follow God and to grow spiritually when we allow that to really happen in our heart and to really discern between soul and spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is heightened at water baptism. So we have that same identification. They went through the waters of the Red Sea to come out of Egypt. They were all baptized by going through the Red Sea, and we're all baptized through the water baptism in Jesus Christ. That spiritual surgery that separates us, that our new nature can begin to get profoundly big by drawing onto God, being separated so that we can really hear God and be clarified in what he's talking to us. Verse 4 says, And they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus supplied water to Israel. They were going through the, wil- through the wilderness, through the desert, and for 40 years. Can you imagine how much water Jesus supplied? Although they didn't recognize him physically, he wasn't there in his person like Moses, but he was there in spirit, hovering over his people really ready, getting ready to come on the scene because in the future, Jesus would be coming on the scene. Jesus said to drink of my blood. When we drink in the blood of Jesus, when we receive, that is the only way I can be saved. That is the only way I can walk with God is by the blood of Jesus. Having that constant washing ourselves. Every day we need a washing because of attacks in our mind, temptations, distractions, even pride that rises up in our Christian hearts. Yeah, you know, we, we get a little time under our belt, do a little ministry. We're, we're pretty good. We got it. No, we have to watch because pride is always saying, I can do this on my own. I can do better than someone else is doing it. No, no, I am desperate. W- my salvation and how I lived yesterday is, is not going to carry me today. I got to have a fresh relationship with Jesus. I have to have that fresh dependency. It's your blood. It washes me. It cleanses me of all sin. It renews my mind. It strengthens me to live today as I need to, as I need to live. And so we have that working us, drinking from Christ, and he's our spiritual rock. Just like he accompanied them, he now accompanies us. He lives inside of our, our heart. Verse 5, nevertheless, okay, all this, Remember all the alls, they all, they all, they all, they all. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. What? All that? And some of us would say, give me a couple of those miracles. Hey, walk through that Red Sea. I'm not a good swimmer. Walk through that Red Sea. It would be enough for me. Excuse me? What happened to them? The subtleties of life. Look at Moses, all that he went through. I remember 
coming home from church one Sunday afternoon, and I was taking one of my Bible college classes about the book of Moses. And I was up upstairs in my room, kind of on my knees, on my bed, have my Bible, and I was so devastated when it said Moses didn't get to go in the promised land. I thought, what? All those years? He, he w- moved and worked with those stiff-necked people? All that he did, all the intercession, all that he did, and he didn't get to go to the promised land? Why, God? Because he disrespected God and he got angry with the people. He got angry because they weren't getting it. And so instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock and he lost his place. Look how vulnerable he was. He's human. He's subject to, uh, you know, making a mistake and it cost him the promised land. But it's a powerful thing for all of us to walk in that humility with God and to not think we've, we've arrived. And, and today, wherever you're at, just think about it. Where am I at with God? Do, am I proud? Do I think I have it all together? God, forgive us. Lord, as we're tempted to be thankful and, and to really appreciate you, help us to walk in that place of thanksgiving. That was my little uh, sidetrack today. That was, hot, that was hot bread today. Number three, thanksgiving was singing. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Come on, how many of you listen to all music, some of the oldies? Yeah, don't, don't you just find yourself bebopping and shaking stuff that you didn't think you could shake? And, you know, g- music lifts us. You know, music, music can affect our moods. People who listen to, how many like the blues? Uh, do you feel like you get low and whoa and like depressed when you're listening to the blues? You know, it shows how music can move us. And here in the Psalms, we're told, come and sing to the Lord. If you're ever feeling low, and have you, have you ever boosted yourself out of that place by beginning to th- sing to the Lord? Maybe a song. I just love that new song. The atmosphere is changing now, but the Spirit of the Lord is here. I was in the front lobby just kind of dancing around today, you know, overcome, Lord, in this place. Fill our hearts with your love. We need your presence, Lord. Come, Lord, we need your presence, you know just to pray, and then you feel, I don't know about you, you start singing a little bit, and you feel something in your heart move. Whoa, I am alive to you, God. You know, sometimes we're just practicing. So many times I'm just singing the songs, but then I love it my heart kicks in. My heart gets in gear, and, and I'm connected in the presence of God, and okay, there, there's where you're at. There's where, where the ark's at. It's in my heart, but man, to clear the way, to clear the debris, and you know, we have to go through our soul, all the unbelief, the doubts, the, 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 the analyzing things with our analytical mind and measuring things, buying things and judging things and meditate measuring, you know. And God is there. He's communes and he, and he lives inside our heart. I just want to encourage you in this Thanksgiving season to, you know, in the morning, sing a song. Take some of these songs that you hear on Sunday. Do a little dancing in the river of his presence, you know. Get those bones moving. Get, get your heart flowing. Uh, push out the, the doubt and the darkness and the depression that, that wants to sweep over our souls and rejoice with God. Next part of uh, Psalms 95.1, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Ever shout like that with God? Ever get so happy you're shouting, yeah! You know, I know some of you get excited about the 49ers and the Raiders, but what about just good old Jesus? You know? Good old Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're my rock. When I was in sin, 
you came and died for me. When you went to the cross, it says, my, my name was imprinted on your hands. He knew I needed a Savior, and so he hung on that cross for me. He shed his blood for me. That's reason enough to shake myself. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are not right. There's a lot of things I don't like. There's a lot of things I'd like to change. But I need Jesus. I need that. I need a fresh relationship. I don't, I don't want to have a canned relationship. I, I don't want to be cold. I, I don't want to not have love. I don't want to uh, be in judgment. I want to appreciate who you are and what you're doing in our, in our lives. Adam Clark said this. Well, first of all, he kind of encourages us to remember our experiences. Ask yourself this. What has God rescued you from? It's a reason to be joyful to the rock of your salvation. What has he done for you? Can you think of anything? Adam Clark says this, Oh, come, let us sing. Let us praise God, not only with the most joyful accents, which can be uttered by the voice, but let us praise him with our hearts, tuned to gratitude from a full sense of manifold benefits we have already received. Man, I, I already have a couple of, it's like I have a couple crippled places in me. I, I struggle with depression, so it's a little extra for me to, to push past the cloud that, I live with, but I do. I press past that, and, and, I, and I rise out of that place of depression and discouragement. Don Phil's one thing. Every time, he saw, told, every time he saw me, he would say, you are a miracle to know what you deal with and know how you, God has, you've, you've let God change your life. To see you come into ministry, he said, you have been an example to me in all my counseling and everything of someone who has let God overcome something that could really just be a real damper for your life. So sometimes, sometimes if you see me and I don't look over happy, you're just seeing who I am. I, I deal with who I am. But I have Jesus, and he loves me, and I love him. And he's a good God. And I don't understand why he hasn't totally lifted this off of me, but I'm okay because it's caused me to persevere. It's caused me to look to him. It's caused me when I was at my lowest at eight years old to experience his love, and it changed my life. Psalms 95, 2 and 3. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. How do you approach God in the morning? Oh, God, I got this list. And you're not coming through. You know, some of you are bosses at work. Hey, you're not doing this. How do you come to your employees? Hey, you haven't supplied. How many, how about, uh, you know, people in your family? Hey, you didn't get my laundry done. Hey, where's my dinner? You know, thank you that you make my dinner. Hey, we, what are we having tonight? You know, almost like changed it up. Like, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for all you have done. You know, I am waiting. And, and it says we can give our request to God and we can, we can come before him. But it's okay to say, you know, thank you, God. And forgive me if my attitude's not that right. For, forgive me that, that I'm over-anxious and I'm wanting you to do something, but, will you, but I do care about you. I'm thankful that you, you do care about me. And Lord, sometimes I'm struggling with my attitude or sometimes I'm struggling in my emotions and my feelings. They're a little bit stronger right now than my heart can connect, but will you help me, God? Will you help me? I want to be grateful. I want to be thankful. I don't want to be down on you or, 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 or offended with you because something's not happening the way I think it should happen. Help me, Jesus. Help us. You know, um, I don't know about you, but thankfulness is not natural. Is it natural for you? Or are you just naturally all bubbly? Maybe some of you are. How many are one of those bubbly persons? Everything looks good. All right, we have a couple. Hi, Alma. All right. 
Well, 99% of us aren't like that. And so I have to stir myself, too. In fact, my wife is always telling me, because she lives with me and she knows what I deal with, she goes, can't you just not be negative? She tells, says that to me at least probably once a day. So I'm preaching this to myself. You know, I have to fight, you know, my own tendencies. In Psalms 95, 2, let us shout joyfully to him in Psalms. The definition of Psalms are song, songs, something that was played on a harp or a string instrument. And so those of you who have musical abilities, come on, practice up, step up, you know. Let's, let's see your talents used in the house of God. See, that's what Obed-Edom's happened. The anointing of God was on them. And when they left to follow that ark, wait a second, you guys. I, can't imagine, I like to hear the discussions that were in that house. I don't know about you, but that thing's going to Jerusalem. I'm moving to Jerusalem. Sell the, sell the homestead. We're following the presence of God. And then to read over in Chronicles, to read as those scriptures play out, that they were doorkeepers. They were on the worship team. They were singers. They played instruments. They played harps. They played and worshiped God. There was something that was ignited in their heart that played out in their gifts and ministry where they brought the presence of God and they, they continually made the presence of God <clears throat> more applicable. <clears throat> they enhanced the presence of God because they became presence-filled and they were experientially, experientially experiencing the presence of God, so they went into the temple. Can you imagine how the praise and worship was in the temple because of worshipers like that who said, hey, wait a second, I tasted this. This is the real deal, and I'm following it. Sing psalms. Sing those songs. Like the river we sang today. I didn't know that we were going to do the river, but we did the river. There is a river. Oh. I just like how the last few weeks we began to experience the presence of God. You realize how many, how many years we've been praying for the presence? And I think of how when we went, when those of us who endured the cleansing stream, our money, our time, our homework, and then we had to drive up there, and I'm, I'm dealing with my own soul on the way up there. I don't want to be here all day. <laughs> That's honest. And I've been in this thing since I was eight years old. I have to deal with the old man every day. So anyway, we get there, right? Music, worship. Wasn't that worship incredible? Wasn't that guy, that barefooted worship piano player, that guy was hot. The big old guy playing the guitar, and then he'd lead songs, and he'd just close his eyes, and he was just connected in the presence. And then the worship leader was, was, uh, was slamming the drummer, you know, blaming the drummer when things were not right. He blamed him twice because things were not going right. He just laughed and said, like, yeah, you know. But we were in that presence for eight hours. The worship, the songs, the worship, the worship. We were in the presence. And then the prayer, the prophetic. That was all because of the worship, because of the prayer and the intercession. That prophetic atmosphere was on those who prayed and anointed and then gave words over people as they prayed because we were in the prophetic atmosphere. Atmosphere generated by worship. Atmosphere generated by preparation. We prepared. Even in our, those of us who are honest about being resistant about spending all day in church. Yeah, I'll give, like someone said, I give God an hour. Check that off. Hour and a half. But as I sat there, as I switched gears, okay, I'm going to be here. 
okay, here I am, God, I'm yours. And then my heart began. Just that little decision. Our will is the biggest key in connecting with God. If we tell our will, look, I am saved by Jesus Christ. I want to check out what he's got for me. I mean, he's already done the big thing, gave me eternal life. He's already paid for my sins. Excuse me, I'm going to give him a little bit more time. I'm going to give my will to him. And when we surrender our will to God, we are setting ourselves up to keep hearing from him, getting revelation, and connecting with the presence of God. And that's what happened. Constantly, that whole day of worship, singing, singing the hearing that song. That's why we're doing that song about the atmosphere, because they played it all day off and on. They kept going back to it. And man, that atmosphere of his presence would come upon us. Psalms uh, 95, 3, For the Lord is great God, a great king above all gods. Matthew Henry's commentary says this, We must praise God in concert, in solemn assemblies. This is where that activity is. We don't have presence. We have prophetic presence because of atmosphere. People come into that mic. Altar time, all because of the presence, but because you come. You, you are part of the solemn assemblies. You bring Jesus with you. You bring the ark with you. When you come to church, you amplify the presence. We need you. We need you to come every time we come together. We need you prepared and ready. I believe God is getting, we've been working and waiting for stuff. We've had different seasons of ministry and things, and we've had pruning but what I see been happening, especially since cleansing streams and the way the atmosphere, the presence is gone, we are getting ready. We are getting ready for more work, more people coming in, more people getting saved, more people going through the process that we've been going through of sanctification, being worked on, being accountable, getting ready for heaven, because there's going to be a lot of worship up there. So we're kind of getting in the groove of being worshipers. But us worshiping now is for us to take it out there. We've got to have each other's backs and we've got to be filled with the Spirit. We've got to honor each other as valuable in the kingdom of God. Okay, so he said, Come, let us sing, let us join in singing to the Lord, not others without me, nor I alone, but others with me. Let us come together before his presence in the courts of his house where his people are wont to attend him and to expect his manifestations of himself. Again, let's determine that we are going to expect manifestations. Let's come ready. Maybe, maybe next week when you all come, we'll only have the first three rows across this thing filled because we're going to so press in because we are determined to connect in the presence of God. We don't have to sit in the back. We can sit up close because God wants to meet with us. Psalms 102, serve the Lord with gladness. You know, it's been different. Dropping off and working for Joe Pereira on the construction team, just doing whatever needs to be done. He tells me to do this, measure that, get this, cut that, sweep this, sweep that, mop this, mop that. I mean, I've been just mopping the floor, thanking the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I get to mop the floor in your house. Serving the Lord is happy. Is a, it's a happy time. You can serve God. Whatever you have to do, do it as unto the Lord. You got a lousy boss, serve him with your best. You're serving the Lord. You're blessing him. The presence of God is on you. You, can, you can't bless a bad boss if you, unless you're serving him. I mean, he's got to see Jesus in you. Even if the devil's there banging away at you through him, 
I tell you, the glory of God is on you, and it's the atmosphere on you is going to affect the atmosphere of where you're at. Chelsea, I'm going to try to do a better job. She works here. <laughs> Psalm 102, come before his presence with singing. Again, approaching his presence. You need to generate the presence for you. Get in your car on your way to that long commute. You can have a two-hour service every day. Change your attitude about it. Okay, now it's me. Practice your singing. You might have to, uh, have to um, do some auditions to be on the worship team. Develop your voice. Sing to the Lord. Keep that presence generated. You might avoid an accident. The voice of thanksgiving, Psalms 26, 7 through 9. I wash my hands in innocence. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. We can get up in the morning or when we're bombarded with thoughts or temptations, we can wash ourselves with the blood of Jesus. Lord, I just renounce what I, that temptation. I renounce that thought. I, I renounce what I heard. I, I renounce those feelings that are trying to make me feel bad. I'm washed. I'm innocent before you by the blood of Jesus. So I will go about your altar. Again, approaching God and, and being clean in your heart, clean in your mind. You can approach the altar. You can approach the presence of God at your altar at home or in your car. You know, wherever you find that place, altar. Maybe you're on a piece of equipment. Uh, you're running a machine. You've got mufflers on and no one can hear you but you. But you're approaching your altar. You're worshiping God as you're, as you're serving and working at your job. Verse 8, Lord, I have loved your habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Maybe this is a place some of us need to pray today. We're going to open up the altars here right now. Maybe you don't love the house. Maybe, maybe you come once in a while, but you don't really love church. Let God deal with that attitude. God, what is keeping me from loving the house? Maybe attitudes, maybe people things. Maybe there's a person that bugs you. God, I want to get my heart right. I don't, I don't need to have an attitude to anybody. Everybody that is around me that you bring are people that you love, people that you died for. Or if there are people in this church they're my brothers and sisters. If I'm hating them, I'm hating myself. I'm hating you. It's adjusting our attitude so that the presence of God flows. Again, like, like Mr. Dave Funderburg would tell you, you have to have a closed circuit for the juice to flow. Verse 27, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of your wondrous works. We heard that. We heard that Wednesday night. What an incredible night of of people telling uh, what, what God did for them in cleansing streams and the, the victories and the freedom, the new freedom that they're experiencing. Do we love his house? Psalms 107, 21 through 22, the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Again, sometimes we have to just be downright sacrificers. I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. Lord, thank you. Thank you that I get to do this. Thank you that I have to do this. Thank you that even though I don't want to do this, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I'm sacrificing Thanksgiving. I don't feel like close to you. I, I feel distanced because I'm a little offended with you. I feel like you haven't answered the prayers the way I wanted. Thank you, Jesus. You have a plan. Lord, my life is not working out. My destiny is not working out like I wanted. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to offer sacrifice of thanksgiving. A sacrifice is, is thanking God because it's saying in my heart, which where we believe, I know you have the best and I know you're working for my good. Okay, we're going to stand right now. We have like 
seven minutes left. We're going to open the altars. If you'd like to just come, you want to have some altar time, you want to approach the altar, pray some, give thanksgiving, connect with the Father, just come here. No one's going to touch you or say anything over you. Come, you'll be by yourself. If you want personal prayer, come over here to my left. People will pray with you, pray for you, pray over your requests. You might even get a little prophetic prayer. If you need healing, come and we'll anoint you with oil. We'll pray and believe that God's going to bring healing to your body. So do whatever you need to do.